Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing pursuing happiness in all the wrong ways. Joel, you know, it's not that there are folks out there who aren't pursuing happiness. They're doing it the way that they think that they should. They're just looking in all the wrong places. <laughs> well, some people are going per- about it in all the wrong ways. Pursuing like actual, like their goal, how can I be happier? Which is typically the wrong question to ask if you want to be mm, happy. That is true. I mean, although, I mean, that is exactly what we're talking about, but we're going to talk about happiness in a more lasting and in, in, in a more fulfilling kind of way. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And also we are going to talk about money because money certainly plays an important role when it comes to our pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, so real quick before we get into it, Joel. So the neighborhood that we moved to, it's great. You know, we like it there. There are a lot of kids running around, which is also a great thing. It's a lot of fun to see the kids, you know, running around playing. This also means that there are a lot of kids selling stuff. Oh, There's a lot of entrepreneurial kids in your of, hood. Like literally going door to door and being like, hey, would you like to buy some of <laughs> <laughs> whatever that they, they made, some bracelets, uh, as well as different stands that are set up along the street, that kind of thing. And there were some neighborhood kids and they had set up like a holiday treats table or stand. That sounds nice. Sounds festive, right? Uh, they were selling hot chocolate for $3 a cup. What? <laughs> Along with uh, like candy canes and stuff like what that. What is it, Starbucks? I'm all for entrepreneurship here, but that sounds... $3 a cup. That's it, a lot it, of money. It kind of blew me away, and Kate decided... You gotta really love the kids to participate. Yes, and we do, or I'll say that Kate does, because she went ahead and, and purchased a, a single cup. You, you were over there, arms crossed, well, grinchy frown. Well, I was, you know, they had the, the hot chocolate when I came home from work, and they were explaining, they're like, oh yeah, we got this, and I was like, oh yeah, how much were they charged? And she told me, I couldn't believe it. And so, like, what I told her, I was like, why didn't you negotiate? Because I, I felt like this was a perfect opportunity to teach them another lesson. Well, I mean, just to talk about it a little bit, and not just be like, okay, whatever you say, uh, but literally to, to push back a little bit, and you don't have to be a jerk about it, right? Like, you can and be like, oh man, three dollars. That's a really expensive cup of hot chocolate. How about I'd like to retire someday, kids? <laughs> how about three cups for five dollars, oh, right? Yeah. Or or even just been like, okay, what about how about one dollar? Just just to start the conversation. I think there's a way that you can have that conversation. But Kate kind of like rolled her eyes at me and just like, of course, this is what you would say. But do I mean, what would you have done in that that's situation? Do you feel like that that's frugal or 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 is that a cheap move? To negotiate That's with That's her some, patented some reaction kids. to you now, by the way, is just eyes roll, which I get. <laughs> the I get. eye roll. <laughs> but yeah, what's your take, though? I think it's okay to be like, hey, kids, what if we uh, did, yeah, th- yeah, three for six bucks or something like that? Like, we'll, mm-hmm. we're going to go for volume here. You guys want to be the Costco of hot chocolate. That's how, <laughs> this is how you got to roll. And, but yeah, I mean, you, you probably, they're, they're, it depends on how much hard work they put into it and stuff like that. And if there's like a peppermint stick coming out of it and all that jazz, it's like, it's, I would just, 
pay them the money if you're interested or yeah. keep walking if you're not. Maybe I wasn't there to, to experience all the decor that they pour. Like, yeah, maybe I just pictured a table with like yeah. some hot chocolate that's not so hot. But it just, to me, seemed like a lesson. Like, not only for like those kids to learn how to talk to an adult about the price of something, but even for our kids, right? Yeah. Like, for them to to witness a little bit of negotiation, for them to understand the value of a dollar, I felt that that was a massive opportunity for them just to learn firsthand, uh, like a real-life interaction. Um, and so, I don't know. I, th- I think there's a way to do it, as long as you're not a jerk about it, right? Like, I'm not talking about being all... Miser, you know, Scrooge-like and being like, are you kidding? And like overturning the are table. Are there no workhouses? Uh, yeah. No, I, I think I want to incentivize young yeah. entrepreneurship too. And I think if it gets yep. kids excited, I'm, I'm willing to fork over extra money, if, even if it feels like it's overcharging because, man, what a good experience. The negotiation can be a good experience too if you're doing it in a lighthearted and friendly way. Yes, but that's, I, that was my take. Yeah, but I also think that paying, paying the money, buying the hot chocolate, buying, supporting these kids in their little entrepreneurial I want endeavors. to encourage them for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Yeah, and you don't want to deflate them by being like, whoa, guys, <laughs> did you miss the pricing uh, <laughs> class that was uh, Infl- taught in second grade? Inf- inflation went down last month. Right, did, yeah. did, did you miss the numbers? <laughs> yeah, I guess I just worry that we're over-encouraging these kids because we also bought some expensive bracelets last, like a few months okay. ago as well. And they, I don't know. It seems, now like, you're the it seems mark. like maybe they keep coming back to the well. <laughs> <laughs> and they keep coming to your house for some reason because you keep buying them. Everyone yeah. else knows to say no. But sucker written across our forehead. Except for you. Uh, all right. Well, I like it. And yeah, if you don't have the money to pay for it, then, then don't. But I, either way, encouraging kids in these pursuits is a good thing. That should be the bigger lesson. Yeah. And if yeah. they're your kids, encourage them to do the same and steal all your neighbor's money. Yep. And so they can buy their own stuff. It's just one giant cycle. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or you lose some, you gain some, I guess. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's mention the beer we're having on the episode today. This one is called Mile High Salute. It is a chicha sour which i've never heard of this style before but we will give our thoughts on this one at the end of the episode this one is by mutation brewing uh, right around the corner from us Mm -hmm. where we live but matt let's get on to it let's move on to the topic at hand pursuing happiness in all the wrong ways and of course we hope all of our listeners had a great christmas this is our second episode uh, since christmas so um we we hope it was a good one for everyone that was super enjoyable we're still very much in the holiday spirit of course yes and hopefully you are as well (laughs) well it's it's interesting to to me I, i when we were thinking up this episode, it made me think of kind of the joy that uh, our kids have on their faces Christmas morning mm-hmm. when they I can run still down see their faces. copious presents under the tree, and it was like a joy, like they were beaming, right? Mm-hmm. And so thrilled to get to open these presents, to get to tear them to shreds and see what was inside. But uh, that joy that they have at 7 a.m., right, when they're so thrilled to open up everything under the tree, it doesn't look the same later in the day, right? Uh, And I think that's a story, that's the same thing for adults and kids alike. There's frequently like a post-present letdown that almost all of us experience. Mm, Either You kind of come down from that high. For sure. Uh (laughs) Either there was something that we wanted that we didn't get or the gifts that we did receive, they're not quite as good (laughs) as they looked in TV or there's some assembly required. (laughs) And wait a second. Oh, we forgot the batteries. There weren't any batteries in the package. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Okay, so very small, quick tangent. Did you ever have a a present as a kid that you did not receive that you had all your Christmas hopes pinned to? I'm sure I did. I'm trying to remember. For for me, it was the classic Hungry Hungry Hippos. I think we may have talked about this on the show before. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. I complete. I totally had my heart set on that game because the commercials were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing those kids mash those levers and, and the hippos gobble up all those marbles. I'll, I'll, but I'll I didn't get it, and that's all my parents remember from that Christmas. Was that I was <laughs> Your just disappointment? Like, but there's no hungry, hungry hippo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It's a good game, but it's not as good as it looks on the commercials. No, either, right? No, exactly. And, and there's it, that disappointment. Yes, and in that vein, right? The anticipation of Christmas morning is almost always better than the payoff. <laughs> and and something close to forty percent of the world's toys are owned by three percent of the world's population, which is American children. And so, Jeez. like, <laughs> are we happier? Are our kids happier because that's the case? Because they get this massive amount of all the toys that are created in the world. No, I would say not necessarily. And in fact, the opposite is often true, right? Uh, the same is often the case, though, when it comes to amassing more wealth. There's this, there's a point of diminishing returns. And today on the show, we're going to talk about how happiness levels are affected by your financial standing and how they aren't. Yeah, deep dive on happiness today on HTM. That's right. Yeah. And of course, everyone probably already knows this, but all the money in the world is not going to make you happy. Uh, just like 
getting every single present on your list, how that likely only brought you a fleeting sense of joy. Uh, it doesn't last all that long. Uh, and so ultimately, like what it's going to take is some introspection. It's going to take some self-examination to fully understand what it is that will bring you fulfillment and happiness, not just more money. Uh, and it might be, honestly, it might be a touch ironic coming from the guys who talk about money three times a week, yeah. <laughs> right? Like earning, uh, earning money, saving, investing money. These are all great things, uh, but it's also crucial to put money in its proper place. And on the surface, this is probably something that you already know. Right. But do you have a deeper understanding of it? Uh, you might have the head knowledge, but do you have the richer understanding that comes from experiencing it and, and living it out? Because I think while many of us would say, yeah, like I totally agree with that statement, right? Like more money, it's not going to make me happier. Well, we actually end up living our lives in ways that contradict that statement. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that it's often not just the pursuit of money that we think will make us happy, but it's the things that money can afford us. I just mentioned Scrooge, but you know, chances are you probably saw some version of the Dickens classic, A uh, Christmas Carol. There's a lot of good Re ones. Recently. And a lot of bad ones. There's <laughs> <laughs> some bad ones. But I wonder if a lot of folks, I thought about the, I thought about this last time I watched it, because like Scrooge was obsessed with money, right? Just like the, the thing in and of itself. And I think today, oftentimes we are drawn not to money itself, but the things that money can afford us, the, mm -hmm. the, the things that money can, can buy us. And right? we think that and those... it almost feels unrelatable to picture somebody who's just like stacking wads of cash right. or, or Oh, that's silly. Up. Buy a Lambo with it instead <laughs> and then you'll be happy. <laughs> exactly. It's, um, but they didn't have those kind of things yeah. <laughs> way, way back then. But you're right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the it's the thinking that shopping incessantly. We, we've or... just gotten more sophisticated yes. with how it is that we are misled, right? Like it's sneaky, it's pernicious, but we're often tricked into thinking that there's just a variety of things that'll make us happy. It's a false hope. Uh, and so we're going to dive into a lot of some of those different things that we think uh, don't actually bring about happiness. And we'll make sure to end the episode talking about the right way to pursue happiness as well. For sure. And kind of how we think about money has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. But let's get into it. Let's talk about maybe um, what about like an unexpected windfall, Matt? Like how happy would it make you, do you think, if you randomly had $10,000 deposited into your account tomorrow? No questions asked. That you could put towards a Lambo. No strings attached <laughs> that you could put towards a Lambo or whatever you wanted. Like, do you think that would move the needle for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, if, if you said you want 10,000 bucks, I'd be like, sure. You'd be like, what? <laughs> I'll take it. It's like, uh, it's like playing Monopoly and it's like bank error in your favor, collect $200 or something like that. And you're like, what? Amazing. Like to get you're all about it. just money gifted to you in that way. It would put a smile on your face. I think it would put a smile on mine as well. Well, uh, it, it, the thing is it would, but it wouldn't do it for very long. And that's because the Ted, the Ted organization of Ted talk fame ran an experiment based on $10,000 donations to folks who lived in low-income countries and others who lived in high-income locations. Uh. And what did they find, Matt? Well, they found that the folks who had lower salaries, the ones in countries like Brazil, Indonesia, and Kenya, gained a lot more happiness than folks who lived in richer countries. That was Their, their happiness was even uh, more long-lasting. And that's not terribly shocking. Uh, if you're on the earlier side of your wealth-building journey, a $10,000 lump sum could help jumpstart your progress a whole lot, helping you like axe a big chunk of student loans that have been hanging out in your life mm -hmm. or allowing you to max out a Roth IRA for the first time ever. Maybe that's been a goal for years. And it's like, boom, this lump sum of money fell into my lap. Now I can do it in one fell swoop. That allows you to you know, get the compounding return started earlier than most folks get to, which of course is a big win. Uh, but for folks who are further along in their wealth building journey, it's helpful it's a helpful study to consider because as you move up the money gears, it certainly seems like you should be putting less and less emphasis on your net worth from a happiness standpoint. And so a windfall, yeah, it might be nice, but even a lump sum of cash has uh, diminishing returns rather quickly. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's not like you want to start making bad money decisions on purpose to curb the growth of your money. Like it's Take more... out a 401k loan and start giving it all away. Like. <laughs> Let me get hit with that 10% penalty. Right. Uh, it's more about just rethinking the role of money in your life. And a Wharton study actually from last year that gave some helpful new insights uh, because they found that a higher income is linked to increased happiness, uh, but largely because of the increased control that you then have over everyday decisions in your life. Basically, it just allows for greater autonomy. Uh, and so it seems to me that more money 
is a better predictor of maybe emotions than of actual happiness. Because obviously when you don't have enough money, like it's, it's hard not to like acutely feel that need, right? If you can't pay the bills. Um, but like basically money, it helps solve quite a few problems for folks in that lower income space, uh, at least until a, a certain point. Traditionally, that's that $75,000 mark by... Uh, Nobel researchers and economists, yeah. uh, Daniel Kahneman. Thanks um, to inflation, it might be more like $80,000 now. I don't 80, know. Maybe but, 90. Yeah. Um, but it's also important to note, though, that we are living in the richest country in the history of the world. Uh, and it's easy to see that it's often just a Band-Aid and not a permanent fix for many folks. And what's needed in reality is just a deeper look, not only at their money, but how it is they pursue other things in life and how it is that they spend their time. Yeah. Yeah. And how do we know that we're so rich? Well, statistics for one, but yeah, uh, <laughs> the numbers just 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 prove it, right? When you look at <laughs> the U.S. is very very rich. Exactly, yeah. When you look at overall net worth and incomes and and opportunity, we our country ranks super high on so many different metrics, and so we definitely have an abundance of material wealth in this country. The toy stat I referenced earlier is just another pointer to the fact ridiculous. that we have tons of money, right, floating around in this country. Forty uh, percent of the world's toys to three percent of the world's population. There's a big discrepancy there. But the the self-care trend, I would say, gives us another window into just how prosperous we've become. And we're hoping that, the, Matt and I at least, we're hoping that the self-care trend calms down a little bit because it's often it's not making us happier and it's costing us big money at the same time. There's a recent episode actually of the Money with Katie podcast. We think she's awesome. She talked about how spending less on self-care and taking less time to pursue a beauty regimen actually helped her to feel more empowered, which I thought was cool. I appreciated her thoughts on that. And then at the same time, I I read an article in Vox, which came to a similar conclusion. The article was titled, I used all the best stuff for a week and it nearly broke me. And what this author, what she seemed to detail was an increased bent towards perfectionism. Uh, We would call it the Diderot effect, right? Where everything else around you starts to look a little shabby in light of some of these new items you've brought into your life. And so it was interesting to see, Matt, that her experiment of having the nicest, newest, coolest Instagram-worthy stuff for a month actually led her to less happiness and worse social relationships. Um, And I think that's a real problem that we face when we try to make ourselves feel better through retail therapy and the stepped up self-care regimen, right? That we put too much of a focus on things less of a focus on the things that actually matter. And and that's in, in large part where we fall short. Yeah, I mean, and there, there's nothing wrong with like a nice bottle of face serum. Oh, right? coming or from some, the man himself. Some with... oils or, or something like that. <laughs> uh, but it can easily become a, a slippery slope, right? Like, because first it's uh, beauty products, it's self-care. Next, it's upgrading your professional wardrobe, you know, but with the excuse that maybe you're doing it for your career. This is an investment <laughs> uh, or you're doing it just because you deserve it. Like we would say that self-care that will actually translate to higher levels of well-being is going to be less consumption-based. Like, for instance, a walk in the woods to de-stress. A proper amount of sleep sounds like maybe the best kind of self-care that's out there. Instead of staying up till midnight scrolling Instagram to buy cool stuff, not get to bed on time. That direct-to-consumer model that these companies have gotten so good at. Uh, But these more, like, less money-focused, less consumption-based ways to increase your well-being are going to move the needle a whole lot more than a a new purse or fancy new bed sheets or something like that. Uh, because like many Americans have just come to buy into the self-care ethic to the point that it's just costing them money that they don't have. And it's not doing much on the, on the happiness front either. Uh, and many times it's creating the opposite effect, right? Like remember the, uh, the, that control and autonomy point from earlier on from that study, the more money you spend on self-care, the more your bank account is going to shrink. Uh, and with that, your autonomy is shrinking as well. And yeah. so that's something that's important to keep in mind. We think that we're purchasing happiness, but instead we're purchasing our way uh, further into debt. And you're also creating a habit that's almost insatiable because there is no end to the lust for more goods or more stuff. And so, yeah, if you kind of start to go down this path, you'll find that it's really hard to recognize when you're going overboard. Yeah. And it's hard to see that, wait a second, it feels like I'm getting momentary bursts of happiness as I pursue this route. But in the end, you're actually left unhappier. But it's just hard to point a finger on it. And so you keep going down it until you've gone quite a ways. That's right. Yeah. And you have left some of your autonomy kind of behind because you don't have as much financial breathing room. We're, we're also not saying, by the way, that our bodies don't matter. And that uh, we would say, sure. t- you know, taking time to work out is clutch. That self-care you mentioned, it's not, it's not the worst thing, Matt, to buy a bottle of face serum if that's your thing. I don't 
really ever have any sort of facial regimen. My wife says I should probably adopt one, but I don't even know what that means or looks like. But. I don't I don't either. Earlier this year, though, I started wearing a very small amount of cologne, though, because I was just like, you know what? I want to have a smell. And so that's something I do now. Yeah. It's okay to splurge just a little bit. Yeah. You know, you the, the brute smells good on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of Brute. <laughs> there's, there's something about smelling like your grandpa that I feel like resonates yeah. with millennials. Plus, you get it for like three ninety nine at CVS, which is nice. <laughs> exactly. It, there's nothing wrong with like getting massage every once in a while no, or yeah. trying to eat healthier and spending more money on more expensive organic foods, things like that. That's totally fine. Taking care of yourself is good. Like we we want to push you in that direction, but. Just don't buy into the the treat yourself self care mantra that that subtly insinuates that by purchasing fancier products you're going to be a better you you're going to be a happiness happier person your happiness levels are going to go off the charts that that is just marketing and it's marketing that sounds good right we want to buy into it because we want that feeling but the truth is the feeling is fleeting and it actually often ends up leading to lo- lower levels of overall happiness so how else maybe are we duped by some of these marketing techniques how how else are we led to consider buying happiness in our lives well there there are a couple major ways in which we fork over a lot of money in in the thought in the hope that it's going to make us happier matt let's detail a couple more and we'll get to those right after this you probably think it's too soon to join aarp right Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, man, we are back from the break. And dude, we were just talking about how self-care, how it's it's kind of having its moment, right? Uh, but essentially, like, like in reality, it's just consumerism, right? It's just a new spin on an old story. But continuing this thread of buying stuff, homeownership, that might be the ultimate form <laughs> of like potentially mindless consumption. You're just going straight to the sacred cow now, It's man. like, yeah, I mean, I am. Because <laughs> like a lot of people, they, they, they talk about buying a home as an investment, um, but there's a lot less truth to it than most people think. Uh, in fact is, there are a lot of folks out there for whom renting makes the most sense, uh, but they're still drawn to buying their first home 
like a moth drawn towards the light. <laughs> uh, and also because it's just such an emotional purchase, this is a category that I think folks, they, they often tend to stretch their budget on. The term house poor, it was invented for a reason. There are a lot of folks who are house poor, but does that new home actually make us happy? Well, we would argue that not nearly as much as we're hoping it will. Uh, A recent study found that uh, similar to the $10,000 cash infusion that you mentioned, Joel, well, buying a new home only produces a short-term happiness boost. Uh, It's likely for multiple reasons, but it's also because there are walls to paint. There are toilets to fix, right? Things like that. Uh, Taxes to be paid. Maybe you realize that the closing attorney didn't include waste management (laughs) in your mortgage. And you're like, what? We got to pay for trash now? How is that not something that's included in my mortgage? Yeah. If you're in the city of Atlanta, that's that's like an extra 450 (laughs) bucks a a year or something like that. That's a lot of money, man. It's not cheap. Uh, And on top of that, if we've overspent, you know, that mortgage payment, like it's just hanging over our head for the next 30 years. And it's likely only going to be something that we see increase as the property taxes also increase. Sure. Yeah. So it, it's not that buying a home is bad, of course, right? We, Matt, you and I own homes. We own rental properties. We're not, we own multiple homes. We're, we're not against home ownership, but it's just that we have often in our culture, we've inflated this purchase in our minds, thinking that, exactly. that we're going to get long lasting happiness, which tends not to materialize. Like this home is going to make me happy, right? It's uh, but what you know? What is it they say, Matt? Home is where the heart is, right? And so it's not just the the walls and the structure. And this sound, that sounds really lame. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> but you're gonna quote the magnetic zero song? Uh, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. No, if I you know, know. No. Home is wherever I'm with you. Uh, that's true. That's that good. Yeah. No, there's that. That one's about catchy. the people who are inside of it. Ten years ago, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but we just tend to think like, oh man, this location and this this particular home, this it is going to make me happy. And I'm not going to say that I haven't derived some satisfaction from home, home ownership. I have. But uh, the, the reality is I could have rented a very similar home in a similar location, gotten a lot of the same vibes. Uh, and so we just, we overrank how happy it's going to make us. And the folks that ran that study you mentioned, Matt, they boiled it down to this. They said, we aren't good at predicting what will make us happy. And I thought that was profound We're for all a bunch of dummies, economists making, <laughs> you know, writing a white paper. But for many millennials who are still saving up for a down payment, they put home ownership on this pedestal. Yeah. And they, I think they think it's going to solve some of their problems, right? Yeah. Or maybe a lot of their problems that, that once I get this thing, it's going to do something that nothing else could do for me. And owning a home can be a great thing for individuals, for families, yep. you know, pr- providing something that is, I will say, more than just a roof of your head, right? Like for, for many Americans, their home does end up becoming one of their largest assets. That's not what we want to be the case, but that is the reality That's, yeah. for a lot of folks That's that if you've owned a home for 10 years or something like that, and you just like, you barely invest in the market because you're banking on the fact that your home is appreciating, that's your big, like, that does become your biggest asset because you haven't invested enough in other areas. Also, I would say it's fun in a lot of ways to own your own place. Like the yeah. customization, right, that you can that you can have. Like you paint paint the walls whatever color you want. There's no landlord to, to tell you, no, 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 sorry, hot pink's off limits. Yeah. Uh, there's also no landlord to say, hey, actually, um, I'm selling this property and so you're going to need to move. Anything like that. Like there's you can- stability there As long sure. as you can pay that mortgage, you can stay. But- in no way is it this continual happiness producer. And it can actually have the opposite effect if it becomes a massive drag on your monthly budget. And so it's important to go into homeownership with the right mindset. Some of these bigger things that we think are financially intelligent and we're banking on the fact that they're also going to make us like happier people. Well, the reality is often a lot different and that for a lot of folks, homeownership can become more of a financial drag and a happiness drag. That's right, man. We pin too many of our hopes, I think, on homeownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so far, we've talked about things that you can buy, right? Whether it's beauty products, uh, self-care items, or services, I guess. We've talked about buying homes. Let's, let's talk about maybe a different arena, uh, somewhere else that we seek to find happiness. And that's in the work that we perform. Uh, and so I'll start this out by saying, like, we've got a lot of friends in the FIRE community, right? Which is the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, and it seems that a decent swath of those folks that, that they have a negative view of work, right? Like where they're trying to escape uh, the rat race. They're trying to escape the nine to five. And really a, a large reason why the FIRE movement was able to gain steam, why they were able to gain traction, I think, over the past decade was because, just because it was a rejection of the achievement-based status-pursuing view of work, where all your worth is determined 
by your title or by the letters that come after your name because right. of the education that you've achieved. Or there's, there's a lot of good in that, right? Because yes. it's like, yeah, who wants to be that, based, their value to be based by, on that uh, mostly or, or solely? Exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, like that pendulum, it was pretty far to one side, right? And so it swung all the way over to the other end of the spectrum in an overcorrection. Uh, but of course... We like to take a more nuanced approach to the work that we perform. And, you know, we think that neither the rejection nor the blind embrace of work will yield us the most happiness, right? Like, of course, work is important. We, we spend a lot of our waking hours at work. So not hating your job would be great. <laughs> uh, the ability to see the value that you're bringing into the world, how you're making it a better place. That is an important part of a purposeful life for sure. But we also don't want you to be defined by your job, by what it is that you do. Yeah. But we've also, I think we've pushed a popular cultural myth of the fact that your work is supposed to make you happy and you should enjoy what you do every day. Pursue your passions. Yeah. That, that, and that has, I think, set up a lot of people for dissatisfaction. They have thought that their nine to five should be something where it's like, I love the people I work with and the work I do serves and matters. And yeah. And I get paid a ton. <laughs> right. Nirvana. Giving me tons of free time to do whatever I like and browse on Instagram whenever I want to or whatever. But like the, the, the truth is that almost nobody has that job like and and even for people who enjoy the work they do one it doesn't mean that they naturally gravitated toward towards it to begin with there's a lot of people who find themselves in a job and they're like they find the value in it even if it's not something they intentionally sought out and so it's re it's really interesting to see how some people end up massively happy in work that they didn't didn't necessarily think was going to make them happy yeah. i think so much of it comes down to a mindset and and sometimes on top of it if your work is solid and it allows you enough money to pay the bills and to have enough free time like you don't have to love your job you can love all the other stuff outside of your job uh, but d d d the reality is like with 330 million americans like not every single one of us is going to uh, absolutely love what we do every day and even when you do like your job it doesn't mean that every single day is like the best thing ever right and matt mm -hmm. we like what we do here we get to, get to work with your best bud you get to drink beer you get to talk about stuff that matters to us that Boo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> that is a really good thing, and it's taken us a lot of years to get to this point. Even still, that doesn't mean that every single day we come in here with a smile on our faces. Yeah. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. But like, that's just not how it works because there's business stuff to get done. And so not every day is like this walk in the park, even when you like what you do. And that's exactly. that's important to mention, too. Yeah, honestly, like the way you're talking about it, it kind of makes me think of relationships, right? And it's easy to fall into love, right? But what that is typically is just infatuation. <laughs> that's not true love. What true love is and committing to a long-term relationship is working hard at something. Of course, you're, this is someone who you're attracted to, that you're drawn to, that you maybe want to spend the rest of your, of your life with. And you have a but, lot in common with hopefully and yeah, but you enjoy it, the way their mind works. But it doesn't mean that, like you said, with work, that it's going to be rainbows and, and butterflies all the time. Well, and sometimes that is what makes the relationship stronger over time is the fact that like you it's have had hurdles. That is tested. You have had difficulties. And then it's like, wait a second, look at what we've come through together. Mm -hmm. And that makes the love even better, even richer. Exactly. Yeah. So while we're talking about relationships, uh, I think that's another one that's important to tackle as well, because I think a lot of people also pin their happiness on relationship, you know, the, the belief that relationships will make you happy. It's it's fairly ubiquitous, but it is also incredibly flawed. Why else would over 44 million folks in the U.S. hop over to dating apps but to find someone who's going to make them happy? Of course, that's why these apps crush. Uh, and there are so many folks on there. It's something like 350 million globally. But the thing is, the research confirms this behavior as well, because according to the Harvard study of adult development, the biggest predictor of happiness are stable relationships, especially uh, long-term romantic relationships. Uh, and not only that, you know, there's plenty of studies and, and research out there that have shown that satisfying relationships lead to better health. It leads to people living longer as well. And so while <laughs> this sort of sounds like this is a slam dunk argument to go out and find true love, uh, but it would be a massive mistake to think that this alone is going to bring about lasting happiness. Like you said, with finding a job that you love, it's not about necessarily finding a job that you love as opposed to maybe creating a job that you that you love and finding the things about it that you love and being the kind of person who can enjoy their work even if it's not the ideal scenario exactly dude yeah and, and of course we all, we all know folks folks who aren't actually married right who don't have a partner or a significant other and they're out there 
uh, quite happy yeah. out there living their best lives. So it's not completely dependent on finding somebody else in order to have happiness. For sure. Yeah. The, there is no, it's, it's the partner is not going to solve all the things that ails you. And if you think they are, and if that's what you're looking for, you're actually probably going to make them unhappy <laughs> in your quest for happiness. Uh-huh. Like both of you will end you're up placing too much on that relationship. That's you're, right. you're putting too much on their shoulders. You're asking it to do something that it can't do. You're asking a person to do something that they can't do. Fulfill me right, <laughs> <laughs> right now. Well, and uh, all the likelihood of those singles being happy has a lot to do with other important relationships in their lives as well, Matt, like those with friends and family. Yeah, and so yep. you, you only need to look as far as the transformational book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, to see this. Interestingly, three of those regrets, uh, three of them have more to do with self-actualization, but the other two are about working less and pursuing friendships more. Yep. And especially, you know, given how much time is being spent alone these days, uh, there were recent statistics and they're mind blowing. I mean, I think we're all tired of hearing the word pandemic at this point, but there is basically a pandemic of loneliness Mm -hmm. and people feel more uh, on their own. They feel more disconnected from the people around them in their community, from friends and family than ever before. So folks run the risk of having more relational regrets at the end of uh, of their lives than even 10, 20 years ago. We're often choosing what feels like real interactions on social media over actual real conversations and yes. time together. And those interactions on social media, oh they feel, they <laughs> seem like they're going to be real, but they don't provide nearly the same happiness benefit. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you might have like 500 followers on Instagram or 5,000 friends on Facebook, but right. how many of those relationships actually have depth and actually cr- have substance to them that would lead to like m- like meaningful fulfillment yeah your boy cristiano ronaldo has like 500 million instagram <laughs> followers and how many how many of those followers does he have deep connections with none of them right or almost none of them and there is something to be said about that it, it's like at what point does that follower count or do those online interactions matter and i would say they don't have much influence for the most part over our happiness. And in fact, because we spend so much time doing them, it's often having the opposite effect. Uh, And Neil Hilborn, he once said, I'm not saying you'll find meaning, uh, the meaning of life in other people. He said, I'm saying other people are the life to which you provide meaning to. And I think that's really profound. I think when we stop looking to find meaning in other people, in the relationships around us, and we seek to provide meaning instead to the people around us, that's when our happiness levels are going to go up and our deeper sense of purpose is going to be felt. Exactly. If you look at it through like the consumption production model, it has more to do with pouring into other people's lives. Uh, And hopefully you have people who are doing that around you as well, who are pouring into your life. Like it kind of comes down to, again, when we're talking about social media, it comes down to like quality over quantity. Right. And while you might have hundreds or thousands or hundreds of millions, if you're a soccer superstar, by the way, you know, I'm a more of a messy guy than <laughs> Ronaldo personally. I thought you were Mbappe. No, <laughs> he's awesome. I uh, love him. But the quality of your relationships, relationships matter a ton, because obviously, if you have somebody in your life, whether it's a friend or certainly a partner, and if it's a bad relationship, if it's a toxic relationship, you're going to see the opposite of happiness, <laughs> right? Like you're going to you're going to have increased stress levels. Your your health probably is going to be worse. Uh, I guess you could take it to its ultimate conclusion. And maybe there's research that shows that you're not going to live as long. <laughs> Basically, all the opposite things that fulfilling relationships provide poor quality or even toxic relationships, I've got to think, do the opposite. Yeah. Well, so I think the basic formula probably for greater relational happiness is to spend less time alone, spend more time with the people that matter to you, and then act as though you are actively seeking to make them happier, right? And the yeah. more and the more you seek to do that, the more you're pouring into those relationships in a way that benefits the other party, the more your happiness is going to be impacted. And the more they're going to be for you when it counts to, like the more you're going to have people around you when hard things happen. And like you need those friendships to support you then in, in lean times that you might have. That's right, man. I could not agree more. That's certainly a way to increase the amount of happiness uh, and some of the satisfaction that we're able to garner from the different relationships in our lives. But right after the break, we're going to continue along and we're actually going to dive into some more scientific, some nerdier terms that we think will ultimately help you to distinguish between some of the different types of happiness. Like essentially, we're going to boil it down to two different types of happiness. And we think that there is room for both of these types of happiness in your life. And we'll get to those right after this. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? 
Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at AARP.org slash wise friend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at yeah, the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Okay, we're going to keep this happiness conversation going, Matt. This is making me happy as we speak. The happiness train? That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> it's going to, it's keep it on rolling. And by the way, uh, we have train tracks like real close to where we live. I saw the other Speaking day, of trains. there was a truck on the train tracks, but it had like the wheels. train wheels on yeah. it. Yeah. They, they, he was doing repairs. That's so sh- funny. Did you see it on Saturday? Maybe. It was so cool. <laughs> I'd never seen one before. I have, it's, I, so I've seen those trucks driving around town before, but I've never actually seen one on the tracks yeah. where it had the steel, little steel wheels drop with the tires propelling it along. I thought that was awesome. Looked like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I was I like, totally agree. If I have a job after podcasting, <laughs> maybe it's repairing train it's, tracks. It's the that. drive, the truck that's, able, <laughs> that's allowed to drive on the train tracks. My, West, my West, son would be so jealous. Dude, yeah. When, when, I saw it and I was like, Wes, you look, buddy. He's just like, train truck. <laughs> I was like, that's what I would call it too, buddy. That, that is somehow the combination of my two favorite things, dad. Uh, exactly. Well, let's talk about happiness, Matt, because it's amazing. Yeah. Just the, how the, sometimes those little things can make our kiddos so happy seeing a train. Seeing, I'm always amazed seeing Christmas lights, even just a couple weeks ago, going to see some free Christmas lights with seeing, my kids. Seeing them through their eyes. Man. Boom. Their eyes it's light amazing. up and it's like, this is the coolest thing. It's not even something new. It's just an experience that they get to enjoy. Yeah. Um, and, but, and I would say maybe we're getting a, a bit far along in the podcast to define terms but we've been talking about what we've been talking about here largely is the difference between hedonic 
and eudaimonic happiness. That's right. And you've you've heard us talk about the hedonic treadmill before on the show. If typically, you've been listening for any period of time, yeah, typically a bad thing. It's where you spend a bunch of money and you get that quick little sugar rush, that little yep. quick little peak of happiness. But, but then, then you got to keep you return right back to your baseline of happiness. That's right. And then if you don't, you don't actually get anywhere. Continue like let's say you started a skincare regimen and your skin's looking good, then you're like, I don't have the money to keep it up. Well, you're going to be less happy now because you started it and it was taken away. But uh, hedonic happiness is centered around the bliss that momentary pleasures can provide, while eudonomic happiness has much more to do with meaningful activities that boost our ability to self-actualize, which typically brings about more lasting happiness in our lives. And so you might think that we're here to throw all those forms of hedonic happiness out the window, you might say, <laughs> Joel and Matt, they only want those those long form uh, ways to boost our happiness. But that is not true, actually. Because remember, what we're doing right now, part of the philosophy of our show even, is that we drink a craft beer while we talk about money. Because we care about even some of those, a few of those hedonic uh, abilities to enjoy happiness in the here and now, mm-hmm. some of the tangible physical realities that do actually contribute to our happiness if used properly. And if you're in a decently stable uh, personal finance position, well, we think it's important to find the right balance. And even though we come down pretty hard on mindless consumption, that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy some of the nice season life in that's the right. here and now. And that's yeah, one of the things that craft beer does for us, Matt, I feel like in a lot of ways. That's right. Yeah. What's interesting is that it seems that oftentimes when it comes to hedonic happiness, it like that comes about by us spending money. Whereas when we're pursuing eudaimonic happiness, oftentimes we're spending time, uh, which is a the whole time and money parallel has always been one that's, that's fascinated me. So like you're basically talking about how we're not going to we're not going to like drop the hammer on hedonic happiness. Yeah. Um, which would maybe be a would that be a decent name for a band? Uh, <laughs> uh, but we're also not going to glorify eudaimonic happiness, right? Like, we're not going to say that, that you should avoid worldly pleasures in an attempt to live a mission-driven life 100% of the time. <laughs> and if you're not working towards your goals every second of the day, then you're just a, a worthless human being. That would be a puritanical existence that we're not seeking to strive after. But you are listening to an episode on happiness. And so, you know, we, we do want to encourage you to find ways to maybe like reasonably maximize both hedonic happiness and eudaimonic happiness. And we think that that's going to be the best way to, to, to leave a, a happier life overall. You've got to find that balance and you got to figure out which aspects of each of those types of happiness ring most true to you. Yeah. All right. So how do you do that? Well, when it comes to increasing the amount of hedonic happiness in your life, the the more consumption oriented version, well, the simple mechanism we'd recommend is to budget or at the very least to track your spending. That's right. And by doing this, you're going to be able to see where your dollars are actually going. You'll be uh, forced to confront the actual facts on the ground. And then you can simply ask yourself if you like how you're spending your money. Like, do I like spending $750 a month eating out? Or could I spend that money in a way that's going to move the needle in a bigger way for me? Like, you know what? I didn't realize I was spending that much. I thought I was spending $350 a month mm-hmm. eating out. That sounds like more like what I should be spending. I can dial it back because then that means I'm going to be able to take two more trips a year with family or friends, like create better memories. And I feel like right now it's just going down the toilet. Or you might say, actually, no, I want to spend a thousand dollars a month eating out because these are always relational experiences with people that are closest to me. Because I'm a foodie. Yeah, exactly. And that's (laughs) fine too. But so much of it's about being intentional with your money rather than frittering it away. And if you want to make the most use of it to boost your hedonic happiness in the biggest way, you're going to want to track it. And then you're going to want to kind of hold that up to the light against your values and say like, well, am I actually spending my money the way that it's going to produce the best results on the happiness front for me? Exactly. And I like that you pointed out that it could also be somebody spending money uh, on trips because it's it's not that all hedonic happiness should be derived from uh, items because experiences, like you said, trips, vacations, uh, going out to eat with friends, those are oftentimes, you know, most folks can consider those experiences, but those can also be a form of hedonic happiness because typically you, you receive that, that short-term high, right? Like you go out to eat, 
the food's delicious, you are enjoying it in the moment, maybe there's great cocktails, you see some other friends, it's a fun time, but then after that, all that's gone yeah. uh, in the same way. And, you know, some folks would make an argument to say that, well, there's memories being formed, and so there's a maybe a, a richer form of hedonic happiness that's taking place. Maybe there's a little eudaimonic uh, buzz you're getting at the same time. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, oftentimes eudaimonic, like, it, it comes down to the, like, I guess the work that you're performing. But essentially, like you said, it's, it's holding it up to the light. It's aligning. It's, it's finding alignment between what it is that you want to spend your money on and how it is that you're actually doing it. And so, yeah, we, we want you to boost your hedonic happiness by intentionally spending your own money. And then you're able to boost your eudaimonic uh, happiness by intentionally spending your time. You know, like, like our society, like us included sometimes, we, we tend to always use the term wealth to refer to money. But, you know, like there are all sorts of different ways that we think you can be wealthy in this life, right? Like mm-hmm. you can have relational wealth, you can have creative wealth, even just like, you know, as we're talking about eudaimonic happiness, just missional wealth that allows you to feel like you're making a difference in the world, you right? You have a wealth of knowledge that comes from reading books and yeah, consuming that, information. That, that growth that's taking place. Gives oh. you an internal mm-hmm. richness, right? Exactly. It's like essentially what we're talking about here, all the different types of wealth that allow you to self-actualize. We're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that is at the tippy top. And that is, I mean, it's kind of, there's a reason that it's literally at the pinnacle <laughs> of the of the actual triangle. Because you got to have all those other bases covered <laughs> before you can really think about that. Exactly. And that's why you, you, you mentioned the $75,000 like reference earlier on, Matt, and how, yeah, if you're making $20,000 a year, barely making ends meet, uh, then it's going to be hard to focus on some of these other levels of happiness. So exactly. money does play a role in your ability to pursue some of these other things. The more money you have in the bank account, the more it allows you to have some of this free time. But the problem is a lot of us don't take that when we have it. And so, yeah. I don't know, but like, it's still it's still a very functional thing to talk about. Though. Sure. Well, like there's a reason why we have a show called How to Money, because we still <laughs> think it's really important. Right. And especially given kind of the the ability that we have in this country, which is, like we said, one of the, the richest country in the history of the world, we have more opportunity to maximize our money, to make smart decisions, to buy ourselves more ability to do some of these things. And so I guess someone might ask the question, like, well, why do you guys <laughs> spend all your time, uh, your work lives essentially, dedicated to talking about money and you know, we would say well handling money well is probably it's, it's one of the main tools in life that allows you to pursue other things of even more importance it allows you to actually have more time thinking about that the eudonomic happiness component and so many folks don't know the basics right which is why we're on a mission to we're on a mission to change that yep but this is also why we don't get super nerdy incredibly technical with the with some of these other uh, deeper aspects of personal finance because it those don't really matter all that much either and you're talking about the difference between doing 95 percent of the things spot on and then spending an inordinate amount of time optimizing to yep. get an extra 3%, right? It, it, and, and so we want to redefine the focus of money. We want to say, listen, these are the things that really matter. We want you to get these things right. We want you to handle money well because it impacts all these other areas of your life. But it's also not the end-all be-all, right? And and that's 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 exactly how we feel about money is that it's a really important tool, but it's uh, there's it also lacks a lot of things too when it comes to how happy it makes us. Exactly. Yeah. So money, it's still going to be the focus <laughs> of our show because we do think it's it's it really is such a foundational tool. I don't know, in January, we could change our name to How to Happy, How to <laughs> How to Beer, How to Bike. These are all the topics we talk about <laughs> on the show. Uh, okay, but let's let's get more practical with it, right? And so, if budgeting and tracking your spending, if that allows you to reprioritize how you're spending your money, well, then simply looking at your calendar like that can help you to do the same with your time. And so look at it and, and see, is like, is it full of events and meetings that you are excited about? Or have you slipped into the, the busyness trap that's so easy to fall prey to? I mean, especially this time of year. That being said, not everybody follows their calendar maybe <laughs> as strictly as others. Um, and so maybe if you'd rather start with the end in mind, it could be helpful to start with like some of life's biggest questions. You can take a, a completely different approach and you can come up with a mission statement that you can work towards. I think for a lot of folks having that end in mind, having that goal that you're working towards can just allow everything else to kind of fall into place yeah. as opposed to starting at the bottom and kind of piecing it together. It can act like a guiding light to inform exactly. the other choices and exactly. habits you decide to yeah. Yeah, incorporate into your life. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll link to a worksheet that we've created to help you to find the answers to some of these questions. It's our money mission statement. 
but the money part of it is is kind of secondary to the first questions we ask, which right. is primarily more about how it is that you want to spend your time. Because ultimately, time like it is the most valuable resource. It is the the, the most scarce resource that we have, and that ultimately defines what it is that your life looks like, how yeah. it is that you are spending your days and your weeks. And we think this is the perfect time to be thinking about this topic because we just got maybe like I referenced at the beginning of the episode. Christmas let you down in a way like it wasn't all that you hoped it would be and you built it up through the month of December singing the carols listening to the Mariah Carey jams and you were like decorating the tree Mariah Carey's out man <laughs> have you seen the headlines is it not still the number one li- most listened to Christmas song it, it might be but everyone's like revolting uh, nobody wants to hear it here really? anymore yeah yeah oh, okay but don't tell that to my wife <laughs> <laughs> your wife is such a millennial Joel. <laughs> she loves that song Gen but, Z hates Mariah Carey well you're doing all these things right in this effort to have a happy Christmas, and yet you may have still felt a little bit let down. And so, especially as we're going to towards a new year and you're starting to think about like maybe things you want to change, there's a fresh start. We're going to talk about fresh starts here next week on the show, but you have this ability to use, use this fresh start to propel yourself forward in a different way. This is the perfect time to be thinking about all these things yep. as you're kind of making those plans. And from where we're sitting, Cultivating a rich inner life, like delightful hobbies, an indispensable community are some of the keys to finding happiness. Money, it's not unimportant, right? You know, Matt and I, we're not planning to take a vow of poverty anytime soon. Uh, you're not going to live a monastic existence in not yet, at least. I don't know. Maybe I'll monastery. become one of those desert fathers. And- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your wife and kids would love it if you left right now. They'd, be, they'd think that was great. It'd have to be like an empty nester thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe then. Uh, but, but like money doesn't have all that much bearing on a lot of these things past a certain point. That is kind of what we're getting at here. And if you've been listening to this show for any point of time, you know we're not against building wealth for your future. But now is a great time to think about how much stock you're placing in your bank or your investment accounts. And are you placing too much of a priority on those things to the detriment of other more important things? That's food for thought as we're heading into a new year. That's right, man. Couldn't have said it better myself. Let's go ahead and shift gears and get back to the beer that you and I enjoyed during this episode. This was called Mile High Salute, which is... Is the only mile high salute? Is that the the Broncos football thing? Have you ever heard? Like, oh, I think it is. When yeah. they do the uh, you know like when they score a touchdown, touchdown, yeah. Do they do that anymore? I don't know. Um, I feel like I remember that. They did from back like, in the day. Terrell like Davis. I remember him doing. That. <laughs> exactly. But this was a chicha sour. And when Jack dropped these beers off, he mentioned so one of the co-brewers, uh, or I guess one of the co-owners of the brewery. Uh, he, I think he's half Peruvian and. There is a drink called the chicha something. Maybe it's, it's called the chicha sour. Chicha morada, I believe. Oh, is that it? Oh, yeah. very nice. Mm-hmm. Did you look it up? I did. Okay. <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah. So helpful. But this beer is brewed in the style of that drink. Uh, and so I would like to hear your thoughts, Joel. All right. I've never had a beer like this, which I think is always fun to All, try something always fun. unique, like a little out of left field. This one definitely was that. It was a really cool combo of sour spice and fruit and so mm-hmm. I, I like the pineapple but there was also cinnamon but then it was also sour and so it's like it feels kind of like a kitchen sink beer in a lot of ways uh, but but not in a weird way not in a weird no, way like it all it all actually works together everything really blended well. together really well and so i will say like yeah it sounds a little weird on its surface if you read all these ingredients combined into one but i don't know this beer pulled it off and i i enjoyed it what about you yeah, so when we poured this, the, uh, what I was picking up on the nose, I could not get past this, but Luxardo Maraschino liqueur. Uh huh. I like to sometimes put a little, like, tiny little splash of that when I'm making an old fashioned. In my opinion, that's exactly what this smelled like uh, before I tasted it. Because, Interesting. Yeah, because I don't, for whatever reason, that's, I'll, that's what I was smelling. But then you take a sip and you can definitely taste that fruit. And for me, the cinnamon really came through. Like, oh, in, yeah. in my opinion, that was not something I was picking up on my nose for whatever reason. But then once you taste it, you most definitely taste that cinnamon. There's a lot in the flavor profile for sure. The cloves, it's all mixed in there. And this one in particular, too, I, f- I thought you might really like this one because it was not overly sweet. I was expecting it. It might, you know, personally, I would appreciate if it was a touch sweeter, but it was it had a nice amount of tartness going yeah. on. And honestly, that's great from the standpoint of not having like palate fatigue, you know, like, like it's a sweeter beer. You drink it once and you're like, oh, this is amazing. But by the time you get to the end of the glass, you're kind of getting sick of it. Yeah. It's starting to feel kind of full. But that is not the case with something that's a little bit on the drier side. You get to the end of it and you're just wanting more because it's dry and you're like, oh, I need more sweetness. I need more wetness <laughs> in my mouth. 
definitely really enjoyed this one. This was an incredibly unique beer. And if you happen to be near Mutation Brewery, we'd recommend you checking it out. For sure. Yeah, just outside of Atlanta. We still haven't been in person, but we'll make it happen soon. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, Matt. Folks can find show notes, links to some of the studies maybe that we mentioned in this episode. You can find links we'll link to, to that yeah, on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. And we are getting towards the end of the year. And so we will ask you one last time, if you have enjoyed this episode or just our show in general this year, we would love it if you were to head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen and leave us a positive rating. Give us a nice review over there. It just helps others to find the show. You could even see it as a belated Christmas gift. Yes. Uh, a nice little present for Matt and Joel. To, so much better than the ugly Christmas sweater you thought about sending us. <laughs> exactly. But Joel, that's going to be it, buddy, for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.